The dead dive. What, Captain Hollister? Everybody's dead dive. What, Todd Hunter? What, Selby? Not Chen. He's dead dive. Everybody is dead. Everybody is dead dive. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Everybody's Dead Dave. This is our Red Dwarf Review podcast with two of us hosting. There's myself, Adam Martin, who is a relatively new fan of Red Dwarf. This is my first time and I am joined by... Phil Hawkins, who has been watching the series since the 90s. Long-term, yeah. long-time fan and a, a newbie joined together for two different Collide. perspectives. Two different perspectives. It's what we like. Um, if this is your first time joining us, first of all, hello. Uh, we highly advise you go back and check out the previous episodes, especially if you're like me watching for the first time. They're a few bit more of a seasoned veteran. You might dip in and out. Um, but we have reached the end of Series 3, which for us seems a bit mad because, it I don't know, it feels a bit crazy before we reach the end of the third series. Uh, episode 6, which is called The Last Day. Uh, originally broadcast on the 19th of December, 1989, and the synopsis goes a little something like this. Lister receives a pre-recorded message from Jim Reaper, uh, head of DivaDroid International, the company that created Crichton, and Crichton is ordered to be dismantled within 24 hours to be replaced with a new model. And in those 24 hours, Lister attempts to throw him a night to remember. And that is a rough plot synopsis. So, yeah, very ominous title, isn't it? The Last Day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What did you, uh, having, had you read the synopsis before you started watching it? No, no. I always like to try and go into these as completely fresh as I can. I've only had one or two where, you know, you say you're doing a Red Dwarf podcast and someone might say, oh, have you got to like say Polymorph yet or something like that? And they'll tell you a bit about that. But yeah, as much as I can, I like to do it completely fresh. So I didn't know this was sort of a Crichton centric episode. I didn't know because I thought, again, reading the title, I thought, oh, is this a, did they potentially think the show could end here? You know, because it has that connotation of, you know, I thought it could be about anything, you know, but. um, Yeah, because yeah, obviously I I already knew what it was going, the, the rough gist of what it was going to be about, even if I didn't remember the the exact sort of story beats. But mm. like, I was trying to think, well, what would that make me think? It might make me think that. It's a it's a heavily flashback episode back to yeah. the, the day before the accident that wiped out the crew. It could be the last the last day of um, of Earth. It could be the last. You know, there was there were several things that you know if you were coming to this fresh, you could think it was. God, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if if I'd have seen that for the first time in the late eighties, I think that whole thing of me thinking it could be the the finale of the show in general would be more of a thing because obviously I know that there are more <laughs> series after this so it clearly wasn't the end um but yeah it just has that connotation and um we get the title sequence as always which is lovely as I said I, I think I am still missing that slower arrangement I've said a few times now but I do I do love the the theme song as it is now and the titles that's really cool and um we yeah we open with Lister watching some boxing which is revealed to be a female topless boxing and it like we've said before this is definitely one of those jokes that wouldn't necessarily fly to, or maybe be done in a a more tasteful way shall we say yeah possibly i, I it's a strange one because i both slightly cringed but also it did get a laugh out of me um okay possibly because enough. i just wasn't expecting that twist you know you had the setup of the boxing oh what you're watching oh i'm watching boxing and then uh, when like Crichton goes, 
Female topless boxing? Talk to me. But they're not even hitting each other. They just appear to be standing in the center of the ring and jiggling up and down. I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. And that, that did kind of make me laugh. That's fair. Yeah, it did, it did surprise me when he said it. I think for me it was just the bit where I cringed a bit was when, he's, when he was like, oh, well, they're not really fighting. They're just sort of jiggling up and down. I was like, okay, all right. Yeah. I was like, jokes, jokes happen now. Like, like, cut it there, cut it there. But again, I think it's one of those, like we've said before on Red Dwarf, this is the, it's the late 80s. It was a different time 30 years ago. Um, but yeah, but yeah, the actual reveal of the joke made me chuckle, but I just thought it should have, that should have been it for me. I was like, okay, we've had the reveal. That's that. But um, yeah, aside from that, um, well, Lister has uh, shows how much of a scruff he is, like us uh, working class northerners, you know, by getting the food out the bin because he's... Yeah, because Crichton has brought him in his breakfast and he starts yes. by saying that, oh, no, I don't want you to be a servant, which is I thought, a nice tie back to how he was trying to encourage Crichton back in series two when we first met Crichton played by a different actor, how he was trying yeah. to encourage him to break away from his programming and, and not, you know, just do what you're told, you know, be a bit of a rebel. And uh, so he, I like that he's still got that going for him and he wants to, he wants to yeah. try and encourage Crichton to, to not just be a servant, but he also does kind of like to benefit from, <laughs> from the things yeah, that Crichton does as well. When so it when suits him, yeah. he's all for it. Yeah. Cause he, he's like, no, I don't want you cooking me breakfast. And then Crichton puts the breakfast in the bin and as soon as Crichton's gone out of the room, he's like, oh, actually, that looks... Yeah, he's back in You can see there, his thought yeah. process. That looks really good. I'm, I'm just going to go and scoop that out of the bin. Absolutely. It's like you say, it's it's absolutely when it benefits him, he's all for it. When it doesn't, he's like, nah, mate, you don't have to do that. Um, but it leads nicely into, I guess, the main plot point of this episode, which is um, the, the gang get an informational tape, which is basically saying that it's time for Crichton to... Shut himself down, you know. He's had his he's had his time, and uh, I didn't notice because it's like a little infomercial. I didn't realize till the credits that Jim Reaper is uh, in fact Robert Llewellyn, the same yeah. actor who plays Crichton. But I, I mean, I never guessed literally until the credits. I had no idea. Well, it was Crichton's the same under guy. so much, you know, that, oh, that God, oddly yeah. shaped head that you wouldn't necessarily notice. And of course, he's got a different accent as well because Jim Reaper is mm. being British, uh, whereas. As Crichton, he puts on a Canadian accent. So yeah. you wouldn't necessarily notice unless you knew the actors really well. And I was going to say, it's in the voice as well. Because, you know, with some actors, they have... Well, I'm not saying that he uh, Robert Lern did make an effort, of course. But, you know, with some actors, they either don't put that much effort in or... Or, in some cases, it's not their fault. They just have such a recognisable tone to their voice that, like... a. John Pertwee, for example, master of different voices. But you, you, I, I must think there were some parts where, like, no matter what he was doing, you sort of knew it was, you know, you could tell it was John Pertwee doing it. And whereas with Robert Llewellyn, I had I had no idea. Like, as I say, till the credits, I, I was like, I wonder who that actor is. And I was like, oh, it's the same guy. And a nice little play on the name as well, Jim Reaper. Hmm, I wonder what that sounds like, you know. So. Wait, but, what am I missing there? Grim Reaper. Oh, Grim Reaper, of course, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, No, uh, I just, I, I, I saw it in the credits again. I think it was when I read it. I didn't clock it when I heard his name, but when I saw in the credits, I was like, oh, yeah, Jim Reaper, Grim Reaper, because it's all, you know. Of course, you sort of uh, yeah, I did not spot that. <laughs> That's all right. But, yeah, that um, is actually really clever. It is really clever. And, um, yeah, so basically Crichton has basically 24 hours left before he has to deactivate and some... Some new bot comes swanning in, and um, 
yeah, it's a, it's a bit, it seems a bit of a blow to the, well, I say the other lads, mainly to Lister, isn't it? Um, yeah, Rimmer just kind of shoves it that off. Bothered. Yeah, and Cat's nowhere to be seen for the first half of the episode, really. Which, yeah, I don't know, it feels a bit of a shame because we've talked about how, I think we said, you know, in series one and two, Cat's more like a, a recurring side character than part of the main cast, whereas I think we felt this series, that's changed a bit and he does feel like one of the gang. But again, we don't really see him until, I think, about halfway through when they're planning for the big party, do we? He doesn't... No, he, yeah, he he's not a massive feature of this episode. And mm. Kaya Rimmer isn't that much of a feature of this episode. No, either, not really. Really. It's kind of a Crichton and Lister episode. Yeah, mostly. I kind of think that works, though, in a way, because obviously it, it is clear that, yes, like, Lister and Crichton have the biggest connection out, like, out of those characters, so it would make sense to to focus on them. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, um, I thought in other episodes where it was say focused on Rimmer or focus on Lister or whatever, they found ways to get the others in there substantially enough. And then in yeah. this one, they just, they didn't as much. I mean, it wasn't a big detriment, but I did notice it. I was like, Oh, their cat is, you know, huh? with 10 minutes left to go or whatever. But, um, what do you yeah. think about this whole idea that Crichton has? Cause you know, he believes he'll go to Silicon heaven as it's called. And the, you know, all the plays on the yeah. electronic I mean, it's one Bible. Of those... This this episode is a one that does sort of tackle some sort of concepts and ideas um, and, and seems to be making a, a point, whereas <laughs> uh, which series one and two did a lot, but series three has shied away from a bit more, I think. They're, mm. they're sort of, you know, you had episodes in series one and two discussing quite serious points like sexism and, and things like yes, that yeah. they've moved away from that to the straight out comedy i think in series three yeah which is yeah. fine but it was quite nice to see some sort of ideas broached upon even if i think if this was done in series one or two you probably would have got more of a focus on that yeah probably uh, whereas think... it's more used as yeah they are exploring it a little bit but in a very contained like one or two scenes type way rather than the whole episode being the focus of that yeah and i think both like i say i think both ways work you know whichever way you want to you want to do it i sort of like the whole hypocrisy angle of it you know the fact that Crichton's so even though he's an android you know he's programmed to believe a, an afterlife exists and then you know as soon as um you know a list is like what about our heaven he's like oh you know you you guys don't have a heaven that's just what they tell you so you don't go nuts you know it's that it's that whole grand again. I'm not. I'm not showing disrespect to anyone who is religious who might be listening, but you know, in comedy, it's done so often, isn't it? There are these great holes that you could argue in religion that get played, and I think that's one of them. You know, it's the that hypocrisy sort of thing. Like, oh, my thing is real, but your thing isn't. Yeah, my thing. thing is real, but your thing is silly. Yeah, exactly. And in Crichton's case, like, oh, I have the electronic Bible, therefore it must be real, whereas you don't have anything, so therefore it's not real. It's um, but I think it's done in a, I think it's done in a way that, I think it's tongue in cheek enough. I'd, again, I, I'm not religious myself, but I'd like to think if you showed this to someone who maybe was, that they'd find it somewhat comical. I, I don't. I, I, well, again, it's hard for me not being religious, but I'd yeah. like to think people wouldn't find, you know, they wouldn't go, this is disgraceful, you know, call the church. This is. An insult. Yeah, same. It's I mean, I'm, glib. Yeah. similarly, I'm not religious. So, I mean, it would be interesting to have a third perspective of somebody that is a- religious absolutely. to be able to, yeah. to sort of see what they think. But, uh, you know, in anything with life, you've got to have at least an element of being able to laugh at yourself, I think. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think this go crosses that line. I don't think it would. Like, I, I've 
I've been watching things and shared a laugh with things that have like slightly taken the mick out of atheists before. Sure, uh, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, it's done in a funny way. And I'm, I'm more than happy for that to be the case. You know, every nothing should be completely off limits to comedy. Sure, no, I agree. There I are just agree. whether or not, but there are sort of degrees and whether or not there is, um, it can be done respectfully, but also... Mm-hmm in a comedy way yeah you can send up elements of things and it's sure it's still not be crossing the line i think yeah and that third perspective would be great i mean anyone listening if you if you are religious and i mean i'm sure we'd love to hear what your take on it was let us know in the in the comments or something because i'd be really curious to see how someone who is religious takes something like this um and what you were saying about things being poked at this was interesting because the next scene is lister and rimmer you know, Lister's laying it all down to him and Rimmer's, as you said, sort of not bothered. And it leads into a joke where Rimmer talks about his time in the Samaritans. Yeah, and... I had this down as well, because it's it's something that they do go back to quite a lot. They seem to have this dark humour edge on the, the yeah. show. And it's a topic, sort of suicide humour that they've gone yeah. back to a few times in the show. Um, yeah, no, for real. And, and uh, I know like... previously you've said it, I think, if I'm right in thinking, you've said it's made you feel a little bit uneasy. Is that right? Yeah, I think the the first time, I think it was either in the first or second episode where he makes a comment about his dad um, killing him, or, well, committing suicide. And yeah. I think in that instance, that literally came out of nowhere. Like that was so, oh, and now we're doing this. It's like, whoa, okay. Whereas, you know, I think most people know what the Samaritans are. So when, when you introduce that, I sort of thought to myself, okay, you know, we're probably going to get, something along those lines and i'm not like you were saying with religion i'm not saying suicide can't be um used in in comedy you know some people say some sometimes how people deal with things like that is to laugh which is complete you know if that works for you, gallows humor yeah gallows humor i just think for me just to, i think you know, it's a very personal interpretation i just think having having known and know people who have struggled with that before I think just for me, I was a bit like, I get where they're coming from, but it's just not landing with me. But that's not that's not necessarily their fault. That's just my own personal subjective taking from it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I can um, see where you're coming from there. I, I pers- personally, this one, out of all of the times that they've sort of broached this this sort of suicide, dark humor subject, I think this was probably done the best. It, sure. Partly because, like you say, it was kind of set up a bit more. It wasn't yeah. just completely out of the blue. They weren't. They yeah. didn't just randomly drop in a line about somebody committing suicide. Yeah. The fact that they built it up with talking about the Samaritans hotline, which you know what the Samaritans hotline is tends yes. to be used for. Yes. Um, and then it, it gave it the time to sort of prepare the, for the audience to prepare themselves for what that there would be some joke around this, not necessarily knowing exactly what the joke would be. But, uh, and I think that, you know, the punchline was a funny one that, you know, somebody rang, somebody that everybody spoke to did commit suicide. And one person was, wasn't even trying to contact the Samaritans. Yeah, just wanted the cricket scores or whatever. So yeah, no, I I mean, yeah, for anyone listening, I'm not, I'm not saying it like you shouldn't laugh at it. Like if you genuinely find it funny, that is more than fair enough. I just think, yeah, I just think for me, like at this at this particular moment in time, it wasn't clicking with me. But that, again, I'm not saying it's a badly written joke or that it shouldn't be in the show. Um, yeah, it's I think it's like any of those sort of more sensitive ones, isn't it? It's it, it's very it's very much 
well, comedy subjective anyway, but it's even more subjective, I think, you know, when you get to things like that, because I'm sure there'll be some people who think, uh, you know, I don't want to joke about that, you know, full stop, it shouldn't be in there, whatever, um, which that's their view, that's fine. Some people don't mind. Do you know what I mean? It's it's such a open thing to discuss, I suppose. But um, yeah, yeah, I just thought I'd draw attention to it just because I know it's, it stood out for me. So, yeah, yeah. Um, as well as the sort of, uh, commentary on the religious stuff which which plays into the episode there was also a sort of commentary on uh a topic which i think probably is now even more prevalent today than it was in the 80s when this was made of technology having planned obsolescence uh yes yeah you know, <laughs> i mean Crichton literally comes out and says if we lasted forever how would the manufacturers sell their latest models yeah apple looking squarely at you probably yes. <laughs> yeah i say, no, I say I mean, recording part of this on my uh, apple yeah, iphone which me, re- uh, me recording which on battery iMac, does not yeah. last anywhere near as long as it used to <laughs> oh it's the i mean yeah it's the that's the sad thing isn't it we we say it but we we all probably have at least one bit of apple or or, or any of those tech com it's all it, he's right basically yeah he's absolutely i mean it, i'm sure it was happening in the 80s with whatever tech was around then but uh, yeah you're right even more now the I mean, you know, iPhones yeah, come now, out of course, like twice I mean, a year. It's sort of a, a look into the future, really, because back then most things weren't wouldn't have been run by most technology people had in their houses wouldn't have been run by computers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas, uh, and the part of the the issue isn't that anything of his is breaking down. It's that there is a program that the chip inside him, the software, is telling him to do something. Or yeah. And therefore, that's like, I like when with the whole Apple thing. Obviously, the uh, the controversy was the last year or the year yes, before was that yeah. their updates, their software updates, slowed down older phones. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's it seems much more prevalent now than it would have been in the eighties. So it's quite a pertinent thing to be watching now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I mean, now you pro- some people say it's like the subtle swipe at like you know i don't know like capitalism and that whole fast upgrading thing but yeah it is a it is an eerie foreshadowing of uh what was to come and what now is you know i mean it's a and it is that sad thing of they as you say they will slow down your hardware to make you think you need a new one just for the sake of more money and it's uh it's a cycle that's yet to be broken seemingly but um it'll be maybe it will one day who knows but um yeah no it's interesting for sure Going back to the religion thing, the the other mm. element of religion, we obviously got the Crichton stuff, but we get Rimmer commenting on religion as well, and that his parents were oh, yeah. Seventh-day Hoppists. Hoppists, yeah. And and this is kind of a commentary as well, a, a commentary on a different aspect of religion. You've got the kind of the hypocrisy element that, um, that you know, Crichton saying, oh, your ideas are silly, but mine are real, was. But this is kind of like a, slight, a commentary on how uh, things get, miss sort of ch- what well, uh things get misheard and yeah misinterpreted and basically they had a version of his parents or the religion this hoppist religion had a version of the bible where there was a misprint and instead of hope it got printed as hop and therefore they hop to church every sunday because of a misprint it's yeah. kind of a, a commentary on on how uh, you know even the religions we have now how they might be different from from what their original intention was because people have interpreted them different ways and you know maybe misheard some things or misunderstood some things and you know 
it can get twisted. So that was quite yeah, interesting yeah. too. No, it is. It's um, it's funny how much, like you say, you can unpack from a, a sci-fi comedy show from the late '80s. But yeah, I mean, they they knew what they were doing. Um, Lister essentially plans to have a big party, a big blowout for Crichton's last last evening. Uh, one of which involves a Marilyn Monroe built hero robot. Um, which I must admit, I found I found funny, like seeing that and him trying to trying to build it, and it, it well, it will pay off later, of course. And um, yeah, and then in the officers' club, um, there's a really sweet setup, and they basically throw a party for Crichton, which I must admit I thought was quite sweet for the most yeah. part. You know, the planning nice. and stuff uh, beforehand. We get to we get a name for a scutter, Bob. Uh, One yeah. of the scutters is called Bob, according to Bob. Crichton. Bob, Bob the, the scutter. scutter. I have to yeah. try and remember that. <laughs> no, no, it was. I, I just really that whole scene though. I really liked it. You know, the whole giving the presents, and even though there's lots of laughs in there, you know, just that whole that whole thing was just really, yeah. It was. It was very touching from the kind of Crichton angle of thinking this is his last day, and everyone saying goodbye, and the presents, cats going like open mine, open mine, and getting really excited, and it being like. An earring oh, yeah. he hates. An earring he hates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that this was, is an earring you hated. I love that. Yeah, that and was then, good. And then we get Lister actually got you know quite a deep emotional bit. You know about yes, him being abandoned yeah. when he was a child as a baby. Yes. Yeah, we do. Um, which again surprised me because, as you said, we haven't. Excuse me, we haven't had this before. Um, and what I wrote was while I liked it, and Craig Charles sold it. I put. We're learning a lot about Lister. Wonder if this will stick the continuity landing. Because as you know, Phil, and I'm sure a lot of you know now, you know, sometimes they'll introduce these sort of big things for characters or and then we'll either never hear about it again <laughs> or it gets brought up three or four series later. So I'm I'll be curious to see if this gets meant I'm not saying we have to explore that whole origin thing, but I'll be curious to see if it gets, you know, brought up again or if this is literally just a a one timeline, so to speak. Yes, but it was I love these bits when, when you're like, you you wonder about whether or not something's going to get brought up again, and there's me sitting there knowing whether or not it is. And you, yeah, you know if they do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be people in the com- people in the comments resist spoiling it, please. Yeah, please don't spoil it for me. <laughs> you can give me vague hints, but don't don't spoil it outright. <laughs> um, we see the Marilyn Monroe droid, which I wrote is hilarious and terrifying. Um, Hilarious in its it's like jaded movements and stuff going through walls, but by God, it looks terrifying. Like yeah, yeah. but it, but I love the fact that Crichton is like it's so realistic. Yeah, that was a good, that might be a contender for my funniest moment. Just again, that goodness me, it's Marilyn Monroe. You know, so, <laughs> wonderful. Um, one thing I will say though is you know when they're telling stories about that like their first like famous firsts as uh, Rimmer calls it. Uh, the uh the uncle frank joke i wrote was uh interesting because it implies one thing but then he specific because isn't the joke he says oh he was looking for my mum yeah that's how he dispels it but still there was part of me that thought i i don't know like the way it's set up well for me at least made me believe it was something you know it implied something else to me um, well, it, well, it, it starts dispel, by because but... he's basically talking about his cousins, his his cousins who he thought fancied him. So yeah. I thought it was going down a kind of cringy kissing cousins route. Yeah. yeah and then it yeah. went even further and went to a cring- even cringier <laughs> Uncle Frank yeah. accidentally kissing him. 
Yeah, and I mean, I guess that's up for, you know, the whole resolution's up for interpretation, because he says he was looking for his mum, whereas... It could, I just sort of thought, oh, well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think the, said, you know? I think the ending is that, yeah, I, I believe that. I think yeah. he was looking, I think the implication is that Uncle Frank was having an affair with his mum. Yeah, yeah. As yeah, evidenced yeah, yeah. by the later line, like, I never had a mum neither. Well, you can all have mine. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else did. Yeah, no, I, I thought the, the joke was, I mean, Chris Barry's deadpan reveal, like, it was Uncle Frank. Like, it was, it was very well played. Yeah, it just, it just left me, left me wondering for a, for a hot second, uh, and Hattie as well as Holly, I wrote, she's definitely settled into it now. You know, she's still definitely, got that. Yeah. She's got the deadpanness of the character, but there's there was those little moments where, like, she goes for a joke, and you know, she's like, oh, and tomorrow you'll be, oh, and like, you know, all the little smiles and the, do you know what I mean? She's, yeah, she's really like made it her own now, which is yeah. great. We didn't uh, see too much of her, really. No, episode, we didn't. But, um, but yeah, where she did pop up. Yeah, I agree. She yeah, she's great. settled into yeah. the role now. And, and I think they're, as I said last week, they're writing for her strengths now. Oh, absolutely. And um, Crichton drinking the, I call it the android alcohol. We got to see the Max Headroom effect yeah. again. The it's, ever yeah. popular Max Headroom moment. Max Headroom gonna, effect. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a recurring like, thing. That, that must have just been it in the late 80s. Like, oh, we need to simulate an android malfunctioning. Oh, just do the Max, repeat the tape a few times. I mean, it works. Like, don't give it... I think, you know, once you see it in Max Headroom, you cut, for me at least, I can't unsee it now. Anytime that happens, I'm like, oh yeah, it's a Max Headroom moment. But yeah, yeah just works. after that, when they're doing the presents, um, the, this is probably the only like negative I have, negative note okay. I have, which mm. is that when, and it's it's a really small thing, but when Crichton is, has gotten the computer chip present from Holly and he's yes. saying, oh, this is a, and what lists off whatever it is. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It is. It sounds fine, um, but if you look, if you're watching the screen, it totally looks like he's reading. Like he's reading. He couldn't remember that he's reading oh, it because really? the, the way oh, he's, okay. you can just sort of tell his eyes scanning it, his fit like down. It, it, it just, it was quite obvious that he was, as an actor, sort of reading that rather than not from right, his delivery. Okay. His deli- it's yeah. like it's as 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 a sight reading. But yeah, delivery. but you could see as you say like the eyes it wasn't just Crichton recognized it from looking at it. He yeah. was reading what was on it. Yeah. Okay, that it's interesting you say that because I didn't notice that, but I thought earlier when going back to Jim Reaper, I thought to me it looked very obvious he was reading off an autocue. Because uh, I could see his eyes oh, sort of okay. going left to right, which I think in that context a sort of infomercial, I think you can get a if that was the intent, if you know, you can get away with that a bit yeah. more. Um, but yeah, it's funny. I noticed it there, but I didn't notice it when he was reading the chip at all. Oh, so. Interesting. But but fair enough. I mean, yeah, it's a long sequence, so I kind of get maybe why I was like, guys, I, I'm just going to have to read it. But yeah, I'll, I'll have to double check that and see if I can spot it because I didn't see it. We get another um, good, earlier on again, we get another good Chris Barry impersonation as well. He does a Crichton, which oh, is the yeah, first time we've heard he him does. do a Crichton. We've had him in previous seasons doing the rest of the crew, doing Norman Lovett's Holly, doing Cat, doing yeah, yeah, Lister. Now we get him doing uh, Crichton. And again, Chris Barry, brilliant impersonator. He's, he, I think it was uh, when we had Billy on, he said, and he's right, he's a, he's a master mimic. He's very good at mimicking both tone and physicality. And um, no, he was great. And um after the whole party shenanigans, you know, it's the it's the morning after. We've all been there. Everyone's 
everyone's slightly hungover. But before they wake up, we get a little glimpse of uh, Crichton's potential replacement, which is, is it Hudson 10? Yeah, I think so. Hudson yeah. or Huxon, something like that. I and recognized looked... the actor and I was, oh, did um, you? Yeah. and I was like, where do I recognize him from? So I looked him up on IMDb and he, he was, did you ever watch the BBC Robin Hood series? From is that 2006. From, from the oh, from 2008. Yeah. yeah, I watched a bit of it. Who it was, was in, in the that? Doctor Who slot uh, on a Saturday yes. night when Doctor yeah. Who wasn't on the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, he he was um, Little John in that. Oh, no way. I used to love, I'll have to watch that. I've watched that show in ages, but yeah, I used to watch that back in the day, yeah. Oh, cool. What's it? It's Gordon something, isn't it, his name? Gordon Kennedy. And I must admit, in the infomercial, when he's showing off that whole... Like his armor and his—I mean, the helmet looked very Starship Troopers, and um, just just his whole look was very like late eighties laser tag. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? I mean, it's it's very to- it's very like you know cute and charming, but yeah, it just it felt very yeah, it just felt very late eighties. Like this is what a high tech android looks like, you know? Yeah, but he's he's got a human head looking head as opposed to he does. Brighton's, which you know makes sense being an upgraded. Being a model, upgrade. I guess, get more Absolutely. realistic. And um, when they with do some great, got... uh, with some great eyeshadow, with some, oh, some wonderful eyeshadow, they've perfected wonderful eyeshadow, eyeshadow there. In who, who would have thought that um, androids would spend so much time on their makeup? <sighs> Honestly, it's, it's a big thing for androids. Clearly, um, but w- I must admit, when they wake up, one of the best moments, and this again, this is a contender for my funniest moment, is. Lister saying we're on a mining ship three million years in the future. Can someone please explain how I have this traffic cone? Because for anyone who's been on, it happens. You just end up with like I I, I have ended up with traffic cones before. Um, but yeah, uh, I just yes. that was I such, mean, yeah. everyone's ended up with a traffic cone at one point or another, haven't they? Oh god, yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was such a perfect like you know ref uh, perfect reference that so many people can get behind, and the way it was played out was brilliant. So. Um, I, I preferred that to the whole... I know Cats was a bit more extreme with the policewoman's hat and the suspenders, but yeah, just the whole traffic that sent me under, that did. I love that bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a good bit. I did actually quite like Crichton's... He has a sort of a speech to them, you know, about how he really enjoyed his night and he wanted, you know, a bit more and how he's... I, I found that, that whole segment quite touching, really, how he'd sort of discovered himself, I guess, yeah. if you like. Was, I like yeah. how also how this, this whole... You know, they, for the most part, Rimmer being a slight exception, um, you know, really go to stand up for him when the new one's on its way. And they're like, no, we're not going to replace you, which does make me think they've had a bit of character growth from because if you remember back to Queeg, when when they first found out that Holly was getting replaced, they were a bit like slightly like, oh, we might get a better we might get a better version. And then they soon realize that it's not better. And then they rally behind holly yeah but here they're rallying behind it straight behind, away yeah. straight away from the get-go yeah absolutely no it's definitely it feels like they've learned something in the intervening <laughs> year and a bit since they've learned something along the way which is always good um i must admit though when we for all i mocked hudson earlier when we see him arrive that whole setup coming through the door the music it was kind of creepy you know they said it was set up really really well that he's meant to be this dominating force i suppose what did you think of his entrance i thought it was pretty yeah good. he looks he looks cre- he looks like he has a physical presence that would be a major threat 
Uh, I would be scared if I was facing down, facing yeah. down the barrel of his gun. And what, yeah, what, what did you think of the voice? The very gravelly the, voice. The very yeah, low gravelly voice. Because given like that he's meant to be, to be a replace, he's not like a battle droid. He's meant to be a replacement for a service mechanoid who would do your laundry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it did seem a little bit OTT. Yeah, and I get they were probably trying to go for that whole. He's this really creepy thing that enjoys like, well, he says he enjoys dismembering other androids, I suppose. But I just found sometimes this is more towards like the climax of the battle that sometimes I found it hard to hear him when you had all the music going on and um, other things happening. Because it's because obviously when you're doing a voice that low, it's hard to get also the volume, I guess. Yeah, yeah, there was just some bit. I don't think he said anything of like, you know, revolutionary importance in those intervening bits, but I just... I just found sometimes there was, yeah, do you know what I mean? It was just, it was just hard on occasions to hear what he was saying. And I probably should have turned subtitles on, but I didn't. So Uh, how did you feel about how he was defeated in the end? How Crichton defeated him? The resolution. Well, first of all, I will say I love the, um, the whole, he can't harm humans joke. And then he scans them all. That was great. Yeah. Especially with Lister, you know, he goes, yeah, hologram, not, not a deceased human, therefore viable target. Cat yeah. evolved from Katzvag will target Lister, barely human. Barely human. What the what hell? hell? Yeah, that was good. Um, I quite liked it, you know, even though it was in the vain tradition of Red Dwarf, as we've said, the very, you know, quick endings. It's like, right, we've we've sorted it. That's it. I kind of liked it, though. The the whole, again, going back to the th- idea of the Silicon Heaven, you know, obviously um, Crichton's used, well, he's used what has been said to him by Lister that no such place exists to essentially short circuit Hudson, uh, which I also thought was quite funny the way Hudson dealt with it. That low gravity voice worked, you know, where did the calculators go? That was, I thought that was brilliant. That's the that reoccurring sort of thing, isn't it? Because Crichton asked that earlier go? on in the episode as well, didn't he? But where did all the calculators go? It's It was a good bit. And um, yeah, and obviously, you know, that he gets uh, deactivated and then, Crichton reveals what he says, ah, but he didn't know that I was lying. Of course there's a Silicon Heaven. Where did the calculators go? And that's what we end on. And even that, like, yeah, it's very tongue-in-cheek. and it. But I I don't know, I just like it because we're reusing, you know, it's not completely out of the blue. You know, you're using something that's been set up and established earlier in the episode. Uh, It's used to quite comedic effect. The comedy plays out well. It's not one of those Red Dwarf endings where the resolution comes out of absolutely nowhere. And it's like, oh, well, we've sorted it now. That's it then. Roll credits. Yeah, I I liked it. And as a seat, I know like they don't really do season finales, quote unquote. But as a as the last episode of series three, yeah, I quite I quite liked it as a resolution. What what about you? What did you think? Yeah, I think it worked. It tied into the the themes that they'd set up earlier and it, it, and it ended on a on a funny line, that whole calculator line, you know, because because it had been used repeatedly, I think that's what makes it work, you know, because it had been used by Crichton yeah. and then by the new the new mechanoid and then again by him at the end as a kind Absolutely. of reveal of like, no, of course, of course I still believe in it. Yeah. Thank God it was a funny line because we've had some episodes where I think I've said sometimes even though they go for the comedy, it doesn't land. But yeah, this one, this one really did land for me. So I was, I was happy with that ending. Would have been like, obviously these are only 25 minute episodes. I thought it would have been cool to see a bit more of uh, like Hudson. Te- if they may, if, if that whole battle scene, if you like, had been a, even a bit more, I thought that could have been cool. But considering the time constraints, they fit everything into this episode quite nicely. 
I think, again, we've said sometimes we feel plot points are either a bit rushed or um, maybe could have done with another episode, although I know they don't really, well, at the moment, they don't really do that sort of thing in Red Dwarf. Um, but yeah, this was this was good, uh, which we'll come on to our ratings in a, in a little while, but we've we've sort of talked through the last day there, all the all the key points. But um, Phil, what was your what was your funniest moment in this episode? Oh, my funniest one? moment. There were a few contenders and actually some of them are the ones that like actually like make slightly cringy, but also funny. That's like fair. the, That's the fair. Frank yeah. thing was up there. And yeah, I sure, thought that sure. the Uncle Frank thing was up there. The uh, the Samaritan stuff was up there as well. I thought that was quite funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was a bit about you have to die with me when Crichton is, like, pulling his... Oh, deadpan in. mode. Yeah, yeah completely yeah, deadpan. Yeah. The only truly terrible thing is that, as my adopted owner, you have to die with me. You <laughs> <laughs> what? Joke. Deadpan mode. That was quite funny. As well, so they're all kind of contenders. I think, I think I might. Uh, I'll go for this because why not? Because uh, Crichton, when they're being really supportive, and Crichton goes, "Is this the human value you call friendship?" And it's like, "Oh God, this is getting really okay. This is getting a little bit too cheesy now." And then yeah, yeah, Lister yeah. completely undercuts that with the the brilliant line, "Don't give me that Star Trek crap. It's too early in the morning," <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. It was just. Because I thought it was going to go really cheesy. Um, Oh, God, yeah. And, you know, is this the human value? It's like one of those lines from sci-fi you hear in, like, lots of stuff. Oh, God, yeah. And then the way that Lister just completely undercuts it, I thought worked really well. No, it did. And uh, Star Trek is officially canon in the Red Dwarf universe, people. It's been name-checked, therefore it's it's canon. Uh, No, that was a good bit. Um, For me, deadpan mode was up there, that whole line, just because, again, it's... You're like, what? And he's like, oh, deadpan mode, it's it's good. Um, But I think, for me, it's got to be the traffic cone, just because I wasn't expecting it. The setup was brilliant, and the way he revealed it, because, as I said, I've, I've, I've done that myself. I'm sure a lot of you have. Don't be judging me now. But, yeah, I just think it was such a relatable line that you could you didn't they didn't need to throw that in but they did and it and it worked so yeah for me it's got to be it's got to be the good old traffic cone uh gag for me um but what about favorite character eh oh, it's got to i think i've got to give it to Crichton cuz yeah. this is the first episode <laughs> yeah. where he really gets to shine in the rest of the series even though he's been a regular character he's been kind of in the background, like an extra, sort of like Cat was in the first two seasons. Um, yeah. he, he's kind of felt like, oh, he's just there and throws in the occasional line. Here, yeah. the focus was on him and he did a brilliant, you know, Robert Llewellyn did a brilliant performance. Uh, it was good to see a bit of his sort of how he works, his sort of mental state. And, and yeah, I've, so I'm going to give it to Crichton. Yeah, I'm going to have to follow suit with you there. This really is Crichton's episode. And as you said, not only is it the chance for Crichton to shine this series, but for Robert Llewellyn as well. Um, it's hit the first chance he gets as well. And he does a he does a fantastic job. And I, I look forward to seeing more more of him as we go on, because I be- as I think you told me before, I believe he now plays Crichton for the rest of the, the show at the moment anyway. So that's exciting. Um, yeah, just lots of great comedy. He plays it well, both the comedic moments, the more 
not downbeat moments, but I guess the more emotionally driven moments as well. I always think it's hard when you're playing like an android or a being that is meant to be devoid of like natural emotion and then you can somehow get it across anyway. Um, it's completely different worlds, but I always draw it back to one of my favorite films ever, um, The Terminator, especially the second one. Uh, you know, the ter- that is the definition of this is an emotionless robot who, you know. Um, but, you know, in that film, there are many emotional moments involving that. And you think, how on earth can this robot make me feel emotion? But, you know, Crichton does it as well in that same vein. So, yeah, big up Robert Llewellyn. It's going to be it's going to be Crichton, which leads nicely into the final regular segment we do, which is the overall rating. Uh, so, Phil, uh, the last day, how many scutters out of 10? I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. Ooh, okay. I'm going to give this an 8 why out of 10. It, it, had, it, had, it had the kind of social commentary aspect, which I like in Red Dwarf, and mm-hmm. I missed a little bit this series because it was yeah. more heavily prevalent than the first two. But it also had a good mix of action uh, towards the end and also some quite like emotional character beat moments for both Crichton and Lister as well. So it kind of had a nice mix of everything and it had some great one-liners and, and funny sort of laugh out loud moments as well so yeah it had a kind of good mix of everything i want in a red dwarf episode yeah no absolutely that's a solid score i'm gonna go on further i'm gonna give this a nine nice um, yeah i just i really just like this one i thought for 25 minutes it crammed in so much but it did it all really well i the fact this is Crichton spotlight is great everyone's on top form um it, as as we've said it got some really like sweet and heartwarming bits in there as well um the comedy was great uh yeah i just really i just really really liked it uh, i don't know if i've given an episode a nine before i feel like i might have done once but i can't remember with which i think you uh, gave I something really 9.5 keep... at one point oh did you? i oh okay well maybe or was not, that maybe me not top it. that might have been it me. might have been <laughs> I'm not I can't sure, remember. But, One of us has definitely yeah. given a 9.5 to something, but I can't yeah. remember But which. nine's a few and far between at the minute. So this is, yeah, this is a, a great way to wrap up series three. Let's put it that way. I'm glad this was the episode thinking back of the rest of the series. Because really, you know, a lot of these, as we've said, they're sort of interchangeable. You know, you could put these episodes in any order. It wouldn't really make that much of a difference, I suppose, in a lot of cases. Um, and just looking at the series three ones, I think this is the perfect fit for a finale. It's got that finale quality about it, even though it isn't explicitly a finale. Um, but yeah, nine out of ten for me. So, oh, what a great way to finish off on series Fantastic. three. Yeah. Um, well, um, folks, we hope you've enjoyed listening. It's been a blast as always. And uh, series four next, Phil, uh, without without any vague spoilers, is that one that is also highly revered by the Red yeah Wolf i think so fans. yeah it's got some good yeah. episodes in there i'm looking forward to it to seeing them again it'll be the first time i've seen them in in a decade or so so yeah oh, wow i think it's gonna yeah. be a good one no I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to it the further we go although i've been told some of the later seasons uh, that people have said oh you know good luck and all that sort of yep. stuff but we'll, yep. you know we'll get there we'll get as there I say, and a lot of, for yeah. series four hopefully fingers crossed uh we'll have some more guests lined up as well we to shall. join us because we, we had shall. obviously uh, a couple of this time we had uh, D- jamie and billy came on for a couple of episodes each uh, one episode each to join us as guest reviewers we're gonna have some more guest reviewers next series as well so that'll be good Yes, yeah, that'll be. We love having guests on. Just uh, add another perspective, just uh, into the mix. And um, 
yeah, as we said earlier, guys, let us know if you're watching this on YouTube. Let us know your thoughts in the comments. Uh, did you enjoy The Last Day? Is it one you're not as keen on? What do you think of some of the jokes, some of the comedy? We love hearing your feedback. And just give us your feedback on the on the show. We enjoy making it. And, uh, yeah, anything we can do to make it better would be very much appreciated. So, Phil, where can where can the lovely people find you on the interwebs? Well, you might be watching this on my YouTube channel already. But if you're not, it's just my name at the moment, Philip Hawkins. And uh, the the picture currently is me uh, in front of some TARDIS randles. So it should be relatively <laughs> easy to find. You, you'll notice me. It's got a lot of Doctor Who content on the channel as well because I cover all sorts of geeky pop culture, anything I like. So Red Dwarf is obviously this podcast goes up there as well as all my Doctor Who stuff, which is uh, maybe 50% of the channel. And then Star Trek, MCU, basically anything that I'm interested in. Yeah, pop lots and lots of lovely pop culture. That's what we like. That's what we like. Wonderful. What about you, Adam? Any... Where can they find you on on the interwebs? Me? Um, well, you can find me on YouTube at Adam Martin with a Y. Uh, similar to Phil, I make videos on all sorts. Uh, I'd say about 50% Doctor Who at the minute as well, or maybe a bit more. But I do videos on other topics I find interesting as well. I'm sure if you scroll through, there'll be something there you'll enjoy. Uh, if you want to check me out on Twitter as well, it's Adam Martin AMTV. Um, it might be actor by, well, of course, pre-recording. It's AMTV now. Adam Martin AMTV. I should pop up. Uh, yeah, come check out my daily ramblings. And uh, you can find Phil on Twitter as well. Forgot to mention. You can. Um, <laughs> you can. Uh, Are you holding uh, get... off on saying the at? Is well, I keep on <laughs> so... <laughs> intending on changing the at. So who yeah. knows? By the time this goes out, it might have changed. But knowing my track record of never getting around to doing things that I keep saying I might do one day... Uh, <laughs> I it probably hasn't changed. So it, it's I U D E X underscore Phil, which is uh, my Twitter handle. If you want to find me on there, I talk again. I tweet a lot about Doctor Who and other pop culture as well. And yeah. we have the oh, show yes, has yes, a Twitter yes, account now it, as yes. well. <laughs> yeah. So let's just just go to that one instead. Let's just uh, plug that. Yeah, <laughs> that is at uh, All Dead Dave Pod. Yes. So go yes, find us is. on there. Go and follow us there. Just for updates about the show, we'll be promoting new episodes. I'm sure sharing the occasional ha-ha funny as well from, from Red Dwarf, like using gifts and stuff. And yeah, upcoming guest announcements we'll put there too. So yeah, keep your eyes peeled because as Phil said, we'll hopefully have some coming on for Series 4. Yeah, and uh, you can also listen to the pod on places like Spotify, um, Apple, Google, you know, all, all the usuals. We should we should pop up there somewhere. But um. Yeah, this has been fantastic as always. Thank you very much for listening, folks. And uh, from me and Phil, until the next one, I'm sure we will catch you next time. Bye-bye. See you then.